prayer. Once again, Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus, the first Sunday of this eighth month. Father, we come with expectancy in our hearts. Father, that you will work something new in our lives. Father, you are a God who renews. Your word says, O Lord, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount upon wings like eagles. They shall run, they shall walk, and they will never faint. Father, wrought something new in our lives this morning. Father, recreate and rekindle the passion for you, the passion for your word, the passion for obedience, the passion to please you, the passion to go hard after you, Passion, a passion to pursue you. Rekindle the first love, the love that has grown cold in many of our hearts. And Father, I pray that we will truly, truly begin to believe when you speak to us in our prayer, and our prayer will, be, will, will change into praise. And therefore this morning, even as we meditate upon your word, speak to our hearts to that end. Sanctify us, set us apart. Challenge us, exhort us, rebuke us, chastise us. Do whatever it takes to rekindle the passion inside of our hearts. That we will love you with all of our heart, all of our soul and all of our mind. To that end, I pray that you would bless and anoint the speaking and the hearing of his word. For in Jesus' name, amen. We've been talking about life in the kingdom. Um, that the first, the very first message after the when the New Testament begins to John the Baptist is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when Jesus steps into the ministry after he is tested in the wilderness, the first message he preaches is repent and believe in the gospel. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's it's a kingdom mindset. Right? Um, once we have entered into the kingdom, one of the things that we are constantly exhorted to cultivate is a mindset of the kingdom. The mindset of the subject. That's exactly what we've been uh, exhorted to do over the years and especially more intensely in the last four years. It's like a crash course we had four years, uh, four months of, especially the last four months, constantly being exhorted to change the way we think, to change the way we perceive and understand things, and um, have and develop constantly a kingdom mindset. That's the reason why he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God, the will of God simply because in the kingdom of God, his will is going to be established. All right? And what we want to do is we want to find that will out and we want to obey it and we want to uh, fulfill that will in our own lives. 
therefore that's the mindset that we want to cultivate over and over again and, and and we have to see ourselves in that way now for example if you were to uh, how do we see ourselves is a very important question right uh, for example if there's a there's there's one verse in uh, we will be lo- we looked at the last time when i was sharing the word in second corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14 if you can see that word verse 14 to 16 um do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness what communion has light with darkness what um accord has christ with belial what what part has a believer with an unbeliever and what agreement has the temple of god with idols you see that you can see that there's so many words which are being used fellowship communion accord part agreement <laughs> you see this is these are the kinds of adjectives which are being used to 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 um to exhort us and asking us how do we look at our lives in in the kingdom we have have we really understood what it means to be a part of the kingdom do we understand who we are if we have once we have been born from above it says unless one is born from above and born of the water and of the spirit he does not enter into the kingdom of heaven so if we have entered into the kingdom of heaven and if we are still wanting to be a part of the world or part of the worldly relationships part and we fellowship with those people who are darkness who are flesh who are sons and daughters of disobedience with those who are held captive by the devil to do his will <laughs> the question is have we really understood what it means to be in the kingdom have we really understood what it means to be a child of god in the kingdom of god therefore there was a very pertinent question that i was asking myself and i was listening to so many people now one of the questions that we need to constantly ask ourselves is how do we understand conversion how do we understand conversion because the way we understand conversion will determine the way we behave our behavior gets affected and therefore it affects all that we do the choices that we make the way we spend our money the way we spend our time the energies the resources that have been made available to us and everything is determined by the way we understand conversion so this morning i just want to understand conversion okay we okay we have looked at it in different contexts but how do i see conversion how do i see one for example i can give you an example as to how paul looks at his conversion if you turn to philippians chapter 3 please and um, you know this was recently in uh, i think sundar krishnan in one of his uh, messages to the yfc crowd he was a yfc alumni he was talking about this look at what it says in philippians chapter 3 uh, turn to philippians chapter 3 and you'll see it in verse um, uh, 12 if you, you can put it in the esv esv that's enough esv one just one verse okay not that i have already obtained this or am i already perfect but i press on to make it my own because christ has made me his own and other translations i want to, i press on to hold on to something which has christ has held on to me christ has made me his own that's exactly how he looks at conversion most of us look at conversion as oh i asked jesus to come into my heart we please forgive my sins and i'm going to heaven okay now i want to live a life which will please him and find so that i will never lose out on heaven that's how we just look at conversion but how we 
truly, truly look at conversion, how do we understand conversion? The depth of it will determine how we behave and that will determine, I mean, uh, our destiny finally. So this is something which I wanted to look at, you know, how do we um, understand conversion? The different ways of looking at conversion. The first way of looking at conversion is that unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, born again, as many as have received him, to them he gave the authority to be called the children of God. How do I look at my conversion? The first way we look at conversion that God is our father. That's what he tells Nicodemus. You have to become a child of God. God is a father. The first way to look at conversion. And it's very important for us to understand it because that is exactly how he asked the disciples to pray. Teach us to pray, our father. That's how the, he asked them to ex, uh, uh, um, address his father, address God. God is our father. How do we look at it? And in order to understand the depth of what this is, you know, uh, if you look at First uh, John chapter 3, verses 1. 1 John chapter 3, and you can go back to NKJV. And this is a... <clears throat> 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. This is what it says. Behold what yeah, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. We. It's, a, it's an exclamation. It's like, you're like looking at each other in the church and saying, we? <laughs> children of God? You know, that's kind of, that's a kind of attitude, I mean, the kind of mindset he's having. That we should be called the children of God. This is how we look at, he says, we, what kind of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. I mean, unworthy as we are, do we look at conversion that way? Unworthy people to become the sons and daughters of living God. I want to look at an example um, in the old covenant which kind of uh, puts this across in beautiful ways. Uh, Friendship day, apparently, today's friendship day? Uh, It's last week, yeah. Whatever, I mean, somebody was sending forwards about Friendship Day. And we want to look at one man who really was faithful to his friend. And we want to look at conversion from that particular episode. In Second Samuel chapter 9, you'll see this. Looked at it in several contexts, but once, once again. Let's read from verses 1 onwards. Now David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show, show kindness to him for the sake of Jonathan? Anybody left in the household of Saul so that I can show kindness for the sake of Jonathan, my son. Now, and there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they called him to David, the the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. And then said the king, Is there still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness of God? What God? What of God? The kindness of God. This is remarkable. Okay. He wants to show the kindness of God. And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Okay. Who is lame in his feet. Okay. Still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Then, Then this is remarkable. Someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness for the kindness of God. And Ziba said to the king. By the way, <laughs> the word for Ziba means, uh, you know, statue. Okay. Um, 
in india um after the politicians die in in many places you find those fellow, they put a statue and they erect a statue and most of the time the statue is like this have you seen it's like this pointing to someone i don't know <laughs> and but they don't move okay that's exactly what zebas are zebas are statues they don't move they don't move they only point out okay just point because in the us now they are pulling statues and statues and everything but no statue zeba means statue a guy who is unmovable he cannot be moved he's got a heart of stone And what does he do? There is still a house son of Jonathan, who is lame in both his feet. That is how he looks at it. It's absolutely unmovable. No kindness you can see from this, from the from this language itself. And he is, of course, um, I, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure he was. He is also the tribe of Benjamin. If you can read the other accounts, you'll see that Ziba statue. Oh, <laughs> he is also. <laughs> it's interesting. So the king said to him, "Where is he?" and ziba said to the king indeed he is in the house of makir <laughs> interesting isn't it he knows where he is but he will not go there that's a statue okay he is in the house of makir the son of amiel in lodabar that's interesting when whenever details are given you are just hold hold on for a few minutes and understand what it's what is trying to say where is he he is in the household of household of makir you know what what makir means sold sold himself and the son of amiel who's what does amiel mean amiel means my kinsman is god god is my kinsman god is my brother in other words god has to come and redeem me until he has redeemed me i'm still sold i'm just sold okay i need to be redeemed so the king said to him where is he Indeed, he is in the household of Makir, the son of Amiel, in which place Lodabar. You know what lo- the word Lodabar means? Lodabar means a pastureless land, land where there is no pasture, meaning nobody goes there. The, okay, we always want to go to places which we believe will give us better opportunities, a better lifestyle, etc., etc., etc. Right? So he says, "Where is this guy? He is in a place called Lodabar." nobody wants to go there and he's been sold and he's waiting for a redeemer to come and redeem him you see that's that's interesting now and and if you look at this entire episode that is happening this conversation between ziba and uh, david you will see that mephibosheth of course has no idea that this conversation is going on completely he is unaware of it totally oblivious to the conversation between ziba and david so that's in other words was he seeking for david he is just sold that's it sold himself that's what what makir means amiel means waiting for a king kinsman redeemer to come and redeem him and he says ultimately the one who has to redeem me is god and i'm in a place where there is no pasture and that is mephibosheth and you'll see that's exactly how we all are we were all mephibosheth lame in both our feet useless in other words okay lame in both our feet no walking and limping and praising god isn't it interesting the very first miracle that the apostles do after the day of pentecost is this guy who's lame he says rise up and walk walking and leaping and praising god so so 
Ziba says, yes, this guy is there. And then, next verse, verse 5, King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. He said, come. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. You know, he is scared. Why did the king summon me? I mean, right, if you uh, read the account of Mephibosheth, you'll know that um, his uh, governess, the one who was taking care of her, accidentally uh, dropped him when he was a very small boy because he heard that Saul and his father were uh, were killed and he was afraid and they ran for their lives because those days, once the king is dead, the next they go to go, go for is all the king's uh, royal, uh, the royal sea. They go after the royal sea and they finish them out. And this is what ha- happened. What has happened? And Mephibosheth is scared. What is he going to do? What is David going to do? Is he going to kill me? Is he going to eliminate me? And he said, here is your servant. So what does he do? And David said to him, do not fear. For I will surely show you kindness. You know, it is the kindness of God that has brought us to what? Repentance. For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And what does God show us? He surely shows us kindness for the sake of his son, Jesus. Yeah. See, God is not a God who winks at sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Hmm? So God has to punish sin. God is holy. God is righteous. God is just. God is merciful. God is uh, long-suffering. God is patient. All these are attributes of God. So when God sees our condition, our moral condition, our fallen condition, when the justice of God meets our moral fallen condition, what does it sentence us to? It sentences us to death. And the justice says, you have to. And what happens, that means the justice of God demands absolute punishment of sin. We know that. And the mercy of God come out, they will not come and say, Lord, just let go of him. No, 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 no. The mercy of God says, yes, you have to punish him. But instead of punishing him, punish me. So on the cross, the mercy of God, the justice of God, the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, the love of God, the, all the attributes of God are agreeing. They are not fighting each other. The mercy of God does not find, fight the justice of God. The mercy of God agrees with the justice of God. Okay. Sorry, I'll... The mercy of God fights the, does not fight the justice of God. The mercy of God agrees with the justice of God. The love of God agrees with the justice of God. Okay, Everything on the cross agrees. So God says, I want to show kindness to you for the sake of my son who, who died for you. I am not extending mercy at the cost of justice, at the cost of righteousness. No, I have executed righteousness. It says the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all that are oppressed by sin. That's exactly what it says in 1 Psalm 103. Oppressed for all who are oppressed. So what does he do? He executes righteousness on the cross. The mercy of God, the love of God, the, the, the kindness of God, everything meets on the cross. That is the reason why we say, in, in, it says in Psalm 86, mercy and truth have kissed each other. Righteousness and peace have met each other. Okay, faithfulness, you see that. 
Mercy and truth have kissed each other. On the cross they all agree. And when God looks at the cross and he says, For the sake of my son, Jesus, I want to show kindness to you. And you know what he says? Bring that guy. And what does what he say? Do not fear. For I will surely show you kindness. For Jonathan, your father's sake. And I will restore to you the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat bread at my table. Oh, my goodness. Verse 11. Look look at verse 11. What does that mean? Bread at my table continually. And he shall eat the bread at my table like one of the king's sons. That's what he says. Behold, what manner of love the father has shed abroad upon us that we should be called the king's sons. And you know what the confession of Mephibosheth is? My, I, a dead dog, was eight. You can see was eight. I, a, my, me, a dead dog, and he bowed himself and said, "What is your servant that he should look upon such a dead dog as I am?" This is true godly sorrow. When he is looking at himself, he knows that he does not deserve any of these mercies. What he deserves is death. Unlike what is Jehu, uh, Ben Hadad, right, and uh, and. Elisha, the three people who are anointed. And Elisha looks at this guy. What's his name? Ben-Hada? Has, 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 has. And he looks at him and he starts, he starts weeping. And he says, why are you weeping? I know what you're going to do to my people. You're going to rip open their, their, the pregnant woman. You're going to kill all my people. I know exactly what you're going to do. And he looks at him and says, a dead dog like I? Will I do it? That's all. You know what? That's all false humility. This guy is absolutely humble. He says, why are you so showing me kindness to a dead dog like me? And, and David says, do not be afraid. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show you kindness for the sake of my, of my friend Jonathan with whom I made, kind, made a covenant. And God has made a covenant. And because for the sake of his son, Jesus, he's going to show us kindness. He's going to redeem us. He's going to be our true kinsman redeemer. You know, Amiel. You know what the word Amiel means? Ami, Am means Am Janta. Janta means people. My people. God is calling us what? My people. He tells in Hosea, name your son. Lo Ami means what? Not my people. And the very place where he says, they are not my people. That very place he says, they will all be called the sons and the daughters of living God. Where that place is a on the cross where God in, in, in Christ Jesus reconciled both Jews and Gentiles and he broke the middle wall of separation and made them all into one so that all, now no Gentile, no Jew all of us who have, who have put their trust in the, uh, in, the, in the finished work of Jesus on the cross have access into the most holy place and we have access to the king's table and now we can sit at the king's table that's exactly what we're going to do today we're going to sit at his table and we're going to break bread as one of his sons. So how do we look at conversion? Dead dogs becoming sons. Dead dogs becoming sons. If you look at conversion that way, yeah, we were all well. We were all like that. Low the bar. What is low the bar means? Pastureless. In other words, on GPS, on Google Maps, you will not find that place. That's it. I mean, if in, in literally, Ziba was telling him, I mean, there's no God for second place. He lives in a God for second place called Lodabar. And you know what David says? Send. That's exactly what we were all, right? In some way or the other, some missionary from some place has come to our land. Thomas came. He said, not India. He's, he might have said. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he was sent to India. Okay. He was sent to India. And 
we all are reaping the harvest of the blood shed by that one man who came searching for us in this Lodabar. And we have become what? The sons of the king. What an amazing God. How do we look at conversion? Do we look at conversion as dogs becoming sons? Then our attitude will change. That's what he that's what happens in Luke's Gospel chapter 15. If you turn to Luke's Gospel chapter 15, verse 17, when he came to himself, <laughs> look what he says. But when he came to himself, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to eat and to spare, and I perish in hunger? And then he says, This is what he's gonna say. I will arise. Go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And verse 22, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And verse 22, fired a verse. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his head and sandals on his feet. Why? Verse 23, for, for my son, yeah, 23 and 24. And bring the cattle car for my son who was dead, dead dog, has, has become alive again who was lost in Lodabar, has been found again, who has sold himself, has been found again. And we become what? The sons of the living God. What an awesome God we serve. Do we look at conversion this way? Conversion is an amazing thing. And most of us still have a slavish attitude. That's the reason why Jesus says in Romans chapter 8, he says, we have received not the bondage that takes us back to fear, but the spirit of this, not a spirit of fear that brings us back to bondage, but the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, what? Abba, Father. The spirit himself bearing witness with the spirit. What? Crying out, Abba, Father. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So that is how we were converted. So when we look at conversion this way, what should our attitude be? <laughs> My goodness, this kind of love that you have shown me, what if I look at conversion? So that's what I'm saying. If I understand conversion this way, if I have this kind of a mindset, that will directly affect my behavior. I'm not going to behave like thoda thoda chalega. What is the minimum requirement to get a grade? No, I'm going to say, Lord, you have done so much for me. I'm your son now. I want to be interested in the, in the, in the things of my father. What, what are the interests of my father? I want to grow to that maturity. That is what it says. As many as are led by the spirit, they are called the sons and daughters of the living God. So how should we grow? What should we grow in? We should grow in one thing. We should grow in one thing, what we call as obedience. What is that? Obedience. Romans chapter 5. Verse 19. Romans chapter 5, verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, that is Adam. So also by one man's, what? Obedience, many will be made righteous. What were we before? We were all sons of disobedience according to Ephesians chapter 2. We were dead in our trespasses and we were all uh, walking according to the, sp uh, the spirit and the power of the air under the principality and the power of, uh, power of the air and we were all the sons of disobedience and object of God's wrath. And God who was rich in mercy caused us to be born again. So what do we do? Say Lord I want to be obedient. Simple. Obedient. That is what a son does. He wants to be obedient. It says in First Peter chapter 1, verses 13. 
onwards. <clears throat> 13 and 14. It says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How? As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. Not as obedient children. Start thinking now. Gird up the loins of your mind like uh, what God tells Job. Gird up your loins and answer me. Like a man. No, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And how? As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. That means now, Lord, I want to know. I want to obey you. I want to least on the, to the greatest commandments. And even if it is tough, I want to obey you. Yeah. Obedience. Is better than sacrifice, we know. Okay. And not only that, I just don't want to obey you. I don't want I want to know your will and I want to know your heart and I want to fulfill what is your what is there in your heart, your will. What is your what is your interest will be my interest. If you turn with me to Proverbs chapter ten, I don't just want to want to, I just 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 don't want to be a son. I want to be some kind of a son. A very important adjective which has to be added to the son. What is that son? Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1 and verse 5. Okay. The Proverbs of Solomon. What kind of a son? A wise son makes a glad father. But a foolish son is a grief to his mother. Yes, we are sons. So two kinds of sons. <laughs> there are sons who are wise and sons who are foolish. Okay. So, now once I have become a son, I want to become a wise son. Now, what does a wise son do? Verse 5 of Proverbs chapter 10. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. This is what it means. You see, um, I, I love that verse in Proverbs chapter 14 verse 4. I mean, Proverbs 14 verse 4 is one of my favorite verses. And if you can put it in NASB, it's very interesting. Okay. Um, NASB. Okay. Where no oxen are, the manger is clean. But much revenue comes from the strength of the ox. Or in other translations, much grain comes because of the strength of the ox. Now think about this. Now think about this. Paul tells in the New Covenant, he says, don't muzzle the ox that's threshing the, 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 the harvest. Okay. Now he says, is God talking about uh, ox? No. He's definitely not talking about ox. He's talking about us who, who labor in the world. Okay. And he says, with the strength of the ox, the, without, where no oxen are, the manger is clean. And in other words, if a church is full of <laughs> people who are not, who have not taken the yoke upon themselves and who have not said, Lord, I want to take upon you, take your yoke upon myself. I want to learn of you. I also want to become just like you. I want to become an ox. I want to become a co-worker. We are co-laborers together with Christ. And your interest has to become my interest. Now we want to be equally yoked with you. And just as you are interested in the souls of men, I also want to be interested in the souls of men. I want to help. I want to be a part of them. Not help you. I want to be a part of that. Part of your of your of your heart. Therefore, he says, "My a wise son makes a glad father." And what does he do? He gathers in summer. John's Gospel, chapter four, verses thirty-one to thirty-five. You know this verse very very well. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, "Rabbi, <laughs> eat something." But he said, "I have food to eat that you do not know anything about." And what is my food? Then his disciples said to each other, "Could someone have brought him food?" My food, said Jesus is to do 
the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And then, verse 35, do not say, four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages and even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. I think this is NASB fan, right? NIV, okay, no problem. That's fine. You got, the, you got the picture. What is what is he interested in now? He is interested in souls. And why son makes a glad father and he says, he who wins, what? Souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. Many who will turn many to righteousness will shine like stars in the heavens. So what does it mean? Now Lord, I want to be a person who is absolutely sold out for your purpose. Like a son. And one, what does the son do? There is a difference between an employee in an office and the son who is working in the office. Total difference. Employee comes, punches in his time, and then he goes out. Does the son have any <laughs> any timings? 24 by 7. 24 by 7 is thinking about how to build. I want, I am about my father's business and my and father's business is souls. He is interested in the souls of men. Just like even the devil is interested in the souls of men. My father is one, is interested in the souls of men. What is my interest? No wise son makes a glad father. Do we understand conversion this way? Do we understand conversion this way? My Lord, Lord, my absolute ambition, Lord, is to bring some people into the kingdom or People who have come into the kingdom want to strengthen them. Think about it. How many of us have been in the in the body of Christ for God knows how many years now? How many people have we really impacted? And say, you know, when people look at him and say, boy, this guy loves his God. Are challenged. So the first thing is that I need to Understand that I am his son. So if I am his son, I, I want to know his heart. That's the first thing. Second thing is that in Proverbs chapter 13 verse 1, a wise son does something else too. And I want to look at some, something else that the wise son does. <clears throat> a wise son heeds his father's instruction. In fact, the word for instruction, if you do put it in NSB, it's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. A wise son accepts his Father's discipline. You know, that's exactly what Jesus went through. When you're talking about discipline, don't think that's spanking. That is one way of discipline. The other way of discipline is that accepting whatever circumstances God allows in our life. He sent a man before them. He First of all, he sent a famine in the land. And he sent a man before them, before the famine. Who's that man? Joseph. And the word of God tested him and it says... In Telugu, it's very interesting. It says, um, uh, God's word entered into his soul. That's what, that's exactly what, uh, the iron entered into his soul. Inumu bandhinchani, iron, iron kind of tied up to his soul. That means he became absolutely strong and he allowed whatever situations God allowed in his life, he never complained. He accepts the father's discipline. He's just not disciplining of the father when you go, go astray. No. This is just, that is another discipline. That is because you made a mistake. This is discipline when you have allowed God 
to do his work with we call up we talk about baptism of fire you know when we talk about i i really get scared to ask for it because i know what is going to have what is going to come when i when i ask for baptism of fire but there is no plan b for all of us isn't it if we ask for baptism of fire god is going to send us through fire because it is a testing of the faith which is much which is more precious than gold which is perishing and is also although which is perishing is tested by fire may prove through the glory and the praise at the appearance of Jesus Christ so our testing is important so what does god do he sends us through situations until the character of christ is formed in us refines us disciplines us through various situations circumstances and trials and sees whether we'll truly 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 behave like like the way his son behaved and if we understand our conversion as children or as a sons of god we will accept the father's discipline that's exactly the reason why paul tells timothy timothy endure hardship as discipline discipline is important okay if everything is going well with you fast sleepless yeah so why son accepts a father's discipline okay understood that another thing which i want to look at also before i go back to discipline proverbs chapter 28 verse 7 28 verse 7 <clears throat> whoever keeps the law again I, this is uh, nsb nkjv actually put it go back to uh, yeah maybe yeah actually the word is wise again whoever keeps the law is a discerning son but a companion of companion of gluttons shames his father what does it mean yeah this is yeah whoso keepeth the law is a wise son he keeps the law no just what does it mean is how did his son keep the law if you turn to turn to proverbs uh, so psalm 40 you will know what how he kept this law Proverbs chapter I'm sorry not chapter Proverbs chapter 40 Psalm 40 you will know exactly how Jesus kept the law verse 6 <clears throat> to verse 8 Sacrifices and offerings you did not desire and my ears you have pierced the word is for opened is pierced burnt offering and sin offerings you did not require Then I said behold I come in the scroll of the book that is written of me I delight to do your will oh my god and your law is within my heart and what does the wise son do he delights in the law he delights to do the will of god his law is in his heart how can we um uh, lo- love the law i mean think about it no whenever uh, you say his delight is in the law of the lord how can anybody love the you actually get scared unless and until and you understand the heart of god whoso keepeth the law is a wise son but he that is a companion of gluttons brings shame to his father keeps the law in his heart his delight is in the law and again finally we want to look at discipline again was i mean instruction we are talking about instruction turn to uh, proverbs chapter 6 verse 20 proverbs chapter 6 verse 20 onwards we'll read from verse 20 onwards okay okay my son keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother bind them continually upon your heart tie them around your neck and then when you roam they will lead you when you sleep <laughs> 
they will keep you and when you awake <laughs> they will speak to you awesome okay it, as if the law itself has a person okay it's 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 and then it says for the commandment is lamp law is light and reproofs of instruction are a way of life that should be a way of life and then he says why next verse to keep you from the evil woman from the flattering tongue of the <laughs> seductors do not lust after her beauty in your heart nor let her allure you with her eyelids and then it says for by means of a harlot a man is reduced to a crust of bread and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burnt so this is essentially to keep us on that straight and narrow path but we will not get diverted with pleasures or prestige or prominence or power but will be straight and a narrow path first therefore look at yourself your conversion as a son and just not a mere slave the second way to look at your conversion which i believe is very very important for all of us especially in these last days it says in first corinthians chapter 6 <clears throat> and verses 18 to 20 flee sexual immorality every sin that a man does is outside of body but he but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body and then he says don't you not know that you are the body of the uh, your body is a temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have from god and you are not on your not your own you are bought at a price therefore glorify in your god in your body and in your spirit which are god's now this is talking about first we talking about looking at conversion as a son this is talking about looking conversion as god marrying us and accepting us as his bride sami can you just put that screen on this I wanted to show you something i shared it sometime back in uh, in uh, it's a very important <laughs> uh so if you are able to see it are they able to see it sami okay see man and woman are created in the image of god it says in uh on the sixth day god created man and he says male and female he created them he created god uh, man in his own image in his likeness he created them male and female he created them so very interesting so when man was created he was created from the dust and the word for man is adam so just go back okay. i'll come to that later on okay the word for man is adam and if you look at the entire Uh, first of two chapters whenever man is used is called adam or adam is created from the dust of the earth which is called adame like and we know that no dust has different different colors so different different races from the same adam and another word that is used for man is what we call as ish okay and what is ish ish comes from three uh, hebrew alphabets now you can see that uh the uh, I, I, by the way if you're watching it online uh, hebrew grows not from left to right it goes from right to left okay it's a combination of three alphabet hebrew alpha letters not alphabets the he, three hebrew letters the flask to your right is the word aleph from which you get the word elohim 
So we have a connection with the divine. And you have a small apostrophe kind of a, word, a letter which is called Yud. And you have a Shin. So you have Ish. It's pronounced, pronounced as Ish. Ish is man. Okay. And then uh, a woman is created from man. And God keeps uh, puts Adam into deep sleep. And uh, he takes one of the ribs and he creates woman from man. And because he, she's created from man, she will be called what? Woman. And that's the next word. Isha. It's created from man. Okay. And you'll see, you have again two letters which are common. Uh, don't mind those dots, which are just nothing but vowel sounds. Um, there are no vowels in uh, the Hebrew. You have the aleph and a shin and a he. So, ish is man, the first letter. Is the first word, ish is man. The second word is isha, which is woman. And you'll see uh, there's a he. Okay, which is a fifth letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Okay, hey. Now, together, man and woman, it says, God created man in his own image. In the male and female, he created them. In his own likeness, he created them. So, when you combine both man and woman, you'll see uh, uh, two letters coming together, which is called you, then a hey, from which we get the word. Click again, Yahweh. So that is Alf, uh, Alf, uh, I mean, Yud He, Vav He, which is Yah. Okay, Yah is nothing but Yehovah. Eliyah. Uh, Eliyah means Yahweh is my God. Okay. Um, Elisha. Yahweh is my, sorry, God is my judge. Yehoshaphat. Yahweh is my judge. Yehoshaphat. Okay. Yahweh judges me. Um, Yahweh Shabot. Yahweh Shabbat is the Lord who is the uh, in charge of the uh, armies of God. And Yahweh Tzidakenu, the Lord, my righteousness. Yahweh Ire, the Lord who is my provider. Yahweh Rafa, the Lord who is my healer. Yahweh Nisi, the Lord who is my banner. That is exactly the word. Yeah, so when man and woman were created in the image of God, together they have Yah. They have the image of God created in them. I mean, in them, together. Especially in the uh, in union called marriage, both of them are supposed to reflect the image of God. Because the youth part <laughs> of man of God is in man, and the he part of God is. In man. And by the way, the word for he, the word he stands for the Holy Spirit, the fifth al- fifth letter in the Hebrew alphabet, which we, from which we get the word breath. He, ruach. Okay, he. Okay, he means breath, something which enters and, and uh, breath is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. These are all symbolic, okay? So don't take them literally. But you'll see that even the Hebrew alphabet is a fantastic thing that both man and woman together are supposed to reflect the image of God. Let's go to the next slide. So when they get married, hopefully, one man who is having a relationship with God, Ish, and another woman who is rela- having a relationship with God, Isha, when they get married, together they reflect Yahweh. Understand that? Cool. This is fantastic. So what's the lesson? The lesson is very interesting. So let's go to the next slide. Something which is very interesting. So let's say you have Ish. Okay, and you have Isha. Let's say one of them is not interested in God. That means the youth part is gone. <laughs> okay. He's not interested in God. And uh, Madam is also not interested in God. What do they have? Both have two common letters. Aleph and a Shin. You know what ish means? Fire. That's interesting. <laughs> you see, you have, the one guy is not interested. That's exactly what is happening. 
in the last days you have people who do not want to say that they are made in the image of God. They are its. And uh, disease I mean, is interesting. You, you should go to the latest uh, graduate school website. The application form. My time, it was gender, male or female. And now for the options for gender. If you go to, I'm talking about engineering college websites. <laughs> no, no kidding. There are 22 options. So what do you feel on that particular day you can just put? And if the, if the universities don't allow for that, then there'll, there'll be a, there'll be a hue and cry. You know that. We're not talking, I, I, I don't want to get into all this, but you understand what's going on over here. So the one guy refuses to say, you know what, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to have a relationship with God. So what does he have? He, he has fire. Now think about a man gets married to a woman. Okay. Who's not interested in God. Let's see the combination. Let's next slide. A man, Ish, gets married with a, <laughs> what? When the hay is gone, what is she? Fire. So what can a man do? Can a, ta- can a man take fire in his bosom? And his clothes not be burnt? Absolutely not. Now think about a situation where both are not interested in God. I think that's the final slide I've put. <laughs> it's double bomb. Both are not interested in God. That's exactly. That means it's like, I don't want to call myself male or female. I don't know what you, what you are. It's fire. But let us not get into those things. Let us come to the immediate context. Now think about a guy. He wants to get married to a person who is interested in God. Who is Jesus? He is our man. I want to show you a verse. Turn to Song of Songs, which we don't read at all. (laughs) Because we are either embarrassed or we don't understand. Or we are not sufficiently romantic. No, really, honestly, if you read the book of Song of Songs, it will actually test how romantic you are. Your romance will be tested. Some people are embarrassed that it is there in the Bible. It's remarkable. Turn to Song of Songs, chapter 7, and verse 10. Just verse 10, and then we'll go to the next verses. Just first look at verse 10. I am my beloved's, and his desire (laughs) is toward me. He owns me. So do I look conversion? I look at conversion this way and the word for desire, you know, it's a very interesting word. It occurs only three times in the entire Bible. After the fall of man, it says, you shall rule over, he shall rule over you and your desire will be sure for your husband. And the second time it occurs is, sin is crouching at the door. His desire is to have you, but you shall master over it. And here it says, I am my beloved and his desire is toward me. You know what God is looking at and says, he's saying, just like sin tried to possess you, I want to be your possession. I want to just make you mine completely. I am bought you with my precious blood. I shed my blood for you. And I want you to be mine. Song of Songs says, I am my beloved's and is desirous toward me. 
So then what do you do? Look at the next language. Verses from 10, 11 to 13. It's a really, really interesting language. Come my beloved. Let us go forth to the field and let us lodge in the villages. In other, in other words, go, let us go for a honeymoon in the villages. Let us go, get up early to the vineyards. Let us see if the wine has budded, whether the grape blossoms are open and the pomegranates are, are in bloom. There, I will give you. You know, the word actually is loves. I mean, this is, this is intense, graphic language. You can imagine whatever you want to imagine over here. Why am I saying this? Look at the next verse, verse 13. <laughs> the mandrakes give off a fragrance. What is a mandrake? Love apple. Love apple. An aphrodisiac. And our gates are pleasant fruits, all manner, new and old, which have laid up for you, my beloved. I mean, this is like, I think John Bon Jovi actually sh- uh, snatched all his lyrics from Song of Songs. I'm going to lay you down in a bed of roses. I mean, this is all what the world has, nothing original. You know what God is saying? This is how I want to desire to have you. And this is, you don't have to look at it in, in that physical union. This is the kind of union that God desires to have you, to have with you, because he owns you. In that desire, in that union. Now it says in Romans chapter 7, verse 4. Romans chapter 7, verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married, married to, who is that another? <laughs> Jesus himself. To him, it says, who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Through that union with God, we bear fruit. That is the reason why it says marriage is a mystical union. Great mystery. It's called mega mystery. <laughs> there are only two great mysteries in the Bible. One is the mystery of godliness. It says great is the mystery of godliness. And the great is the mystery between a husband and a wife. You see that? Do we look at conversion this way? Otherwise you'll be fooling around with the world. Just imagine, no? Wife is provided for everything. Husband takes care of everything. All her needs, everything. He loves her with all of her heart. And every evening she says, you know what? I want to spend some time with my boyfriend and I want to come back to you. In the night I'll be your husband, your wife. The rest of the time I want to spend with my boyfriend. Is it okay with you? Absolutely not. Mine, that's it. Mine, mine, that's it. He des- his desire is for you. What does he desire in you? One thing he desires for sure, that I know very well. You know what he desires? He desires your beauty. I didn't say that. Psalm 45 was 10 and 11. Uh, we quote that during wedding messages many times. Listen, O daughter. Consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house. So the king will greatly desire your what? Your beauty. Because, because he is your Lord. Worship him. And what does what kind of a beauty does he desire in us? <laughs> you know that very well. First Peter chapter 3, verse 3 onwards. Now this is not for 
uh, only wives now. We are all wives in this context, of course. Do not let your adornment, or rather the word for adornment, you know what the word for adornment is? Don't, don't let your cosmos, or, your, or don't let your world be merely outward. Arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible, what? Beauty. That is what he desires. Of a gentle and a quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. Kya baat hai? This is what he desires. This is the beauty that your king desires. He, his desire is for you, beloved. And what does he desire in you? He desires all your beauty. And you say, I don't have those beauty. Don't worry. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wife. Wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And then, that he might present her to himself. A glorious church. Beautiful church. In other words, stunning. He looks at some, when it says, uh, here comes the bride and everybody looks at the bride as a beauty. She is a stunner. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that that she should be holy and without blemish. This is all talking about the inner beauty. And then verse 28 will say, in order to do that, what is, okay, so verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the Washing of water by the word. That's exactly the reason why we come to the ministry of the word of God. We constantly cleanse ourselves, especially our minds. More and more. So that our thoughts, our, our thoughts are inclined towards God. And we are always constantly thinking about God and God alone. And we want to, we are constantly longing to be with him. No, I long to be with you, says Paul. To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. And I am pressed between these two things, these two desires. I desire to be with God. That's great for me. I desire, I also need, uh, know that I need to be with, with you because you guys are not ready. You need me. Interesting, isn't it? That is a kind of longing, no? It's like a uh, uh, husband, I mean, a wife and I mean, a boy and a girl get engaged and a boy, boy goes to US or Canada and he gets a job and his fiance is in India. Okay, I'm just imagining all those scenes, okay? And uh, he calls her and he says, baby, I'm just working hard, okay? Let me just get a nice job. Sit, let me settle down. Let me have a nice home. And when you come, you should not have any problems whatsoever. And you know what she says? I long to be with you. Forget about the house. Let's just be together. I want to be with you. With you. Where, wherever you are, I want to be there with you. That's exactly what Jeremiah talks about the church in Jeremiah chapter 2. Look at what he says. Verse 1 onwards. 1, 2, 3. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember you, <laughs> the kindness of your youth, the love of your, what? Betrothal. When you went after me in the wilderness, in the land that is known. Actually, the most intensely, what is called, uh, courtship period is between the marriage and the engagement. After marriage, then a lot of interests go. This is between that. They're longing to be with each other. You know, I, I, I wonder sometimes, no, every movie that you make in Hollywood, especially in Bollywood, every love story. Why do we like love stories so much in India? Um, generally, why do we like love stories? First of all, boy meets girl. 
and suddenly there's a conflict whatever the conflict is parents don't ab- uh, don't agree or the the what is it uh, the guy is having some kind of a ego clash with the girl and they overcome all these difficulties and finally they get married and it's it ends with shubham how is that shubham they lived happily ever after that is not shubham baba that is beginning shubham only when we go to heaven then we live happily ever after what we see in he- what we see here is a parable of the permanent here once we get married everything else will start fires will start see you need to understand that okay go and cry i remember the kindness of your youth the love of your betrothal when you went after me in the wilderness in a land that is not oh there was nothing there Israel was holiness in the Lord. The first fruits of his increase and all that devoured him will offend. Disaster will come upon him. You touch my girl, you're gone. Finished. Over. That is the kind of love that we had. We enjoyed that fellowship. And then he says, verse 4 and 5, look at his heart. There's a heart of a love lover who's been betrayed. Hear the word of the Lord, the house of Jacob and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, what Injustice, or the translation will use the word iniquity. Iniquity means something which is not equal. What? Iniquity meaning what kind of, how did I become so ugly in your eyes? Suddenly, you are after me. Suddenly I have become ugly for you. What injustice have your fathers found in me? That they have gone far from me and have followed idols and have become idolaters. That's the reason why thou shalt have no other gods apart from me. You know why? Because I am the Lord who brought you out of the house of Egypt from the house of bondage. Meaning I own you. I bought you for myself. And I can't bear to see you in any man's, any other man's arm. That is the reason why James says in James chapter 4 verses 3 onwards. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it in your own pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore makes wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God. Why? Next verse. Or do you think that scripture says in, in vain the spirit who dwells in you yearns unto jealousy, yearns to envy, but he gives more grace to the humble. You see, once we are with God, we can't fool around with the world. We cannot have a secular mind and a religious mind together. Impossible. We cannot be thinking secular during the weekdays and suddenly become religious on Monday. That's a double mind. And that mind will receive nothing from the Lord. I think Tozer in one of his books, he talks about when you go to the world, do you speak with an accent? I mean, it's very interesting. He says, it's like this, no? For example, we have, um, hey, let me take my own example. You know from my uh, my speech that my mother tongue is not Telugu. I mean, English. I speak English with a very heavy accent. So then when I started teaching my children the alphabet in with all those pronunciations, uh, they came to this place called Rabbit. A rabbit reads, R, it says. R. I said, R. Rabbit reads, rabbit. No, no, it says, no, no, no. My children will correct me. Dad, it's not a rrr, it's rrr. That's American. Oh, that's original, maybe. I don't know. 
But this is how I pronounce rabbit. They say rabbit. But even I can't say rabbit with... <laughs> it's impossible for me to say that. So when you know, when I start speaking in English, you know exactly that that is not my mother tongue. Right? So when we go to the world, and we start speaking the language of the world, they should say, they should tell us, your accent is different because the kingdom language is a different language altogether. Your accent is... You are talking about uh, something else here. You know, it's exactly during cafeteria meetings, all those meetings, what your real citizenship gets revealed. <laughs> right? Do you speak the, word, the language of the world with an accent? Do they recognize you that this guy is not from here, he is a foreigner? Or are you trying desperately to be one with the world? Like Lot. Double-minded. They know that this guy is a foreigner. But he's still trying to make himself a friend of the world. And he says, he who, but he, if, if, he, if one tries, verse 4, if one tries to be a friend of the world, what does he make? He makes what? God an enemy. It is called righteous. And he has no problems giving his daughters. Can you imagine that? Do we have an accent? It's interesting if you turn to <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 13, that this very interesting incident happens in the life of Nehemiah. Uh, it's not Ezra's life, it's Nehemiah's life. Nehemiah shows his uh, administration, uh, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you want to call it? Huh? Administration uh, <laughs> colors, whatever you want to call that. Okay, the 1323 onwards. Hmm? Administration colors. How, how to be an administrator? Numbers, Nehemiah chapter thirteen, verse twenty-three. In those days, I saw Jews who had married women from women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Half their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of. Okay, in other words, when they come to church, they speak the language of the church with an accent. They have become so in married to the world but spoke according to the language of one of the other people. That's, a, that's exactly the reason why that doesn't matter the Bible, which language you read it, it has its own language. And when you go out, you become an ambassador for Christ, your language is different. It's different. It, when Even if you try to be like them, you, you can't and the accent betrays you. Understand that? And half their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah, but spoke according to the language of one of the other people. And then what happened? So I contended with them and cursed them and struck them and pulled out their hair and made them swear by God, saying, You shall not give your daughters as wives to their sons, nor take their daughters for your son, for your sons or yourselves. And then verse 26, and he give, did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations there was no king like him who was Beloved of his God. And God made him king over all Israel. And whether pagan women caused even him to sin. You so see, think about it. What? See, so you, you, know, you know by the by your language whether you belong to the world or you belong to God. 
how do you look at yourself that's the reason why how you understand your conversion is very very important to god and to to us to all of us it's very important how do you see yourself how do i see my conversion can a man take fire in his bosom and be not and not be burnt absolutely not i have to be absolutely like him and therefore if i'm married to christ can i be married to anybody else second corinthians chapter 11 look at what it says in paul will say this in verses 11 to 4 and everywhere there is one particular word which he always uses all these places you'll see this uh for uh, second corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 onwards okay 11 verse 1 onwards okay oh that you would bear with me a little folly and indeed you do bear with me for i am jealous for you with a godly jealousy for i have what betrothed you to one husband one husband that i may present you as a chaste virgin to christ then but i fear that somehow as a serpent deceived eve by his craftiness so your what minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in christ are this is such a simple man that's what it says there was no beauty in him that you should desire him but if he if he who comes preaches another jesus whom you have not we have not preached or you receive a different spirit which you have not received or different gospel which you have not accepted you may well put up with it he says what's going on suddenly you want to change make jesus into something else suddenly a rich man i mean i'm talking about big big preachers on television who have got i'm not talking about abroad i'm talking about india i'm not talking about north india i'm talking about south india foxes have holes but the birds of the air have nests but the son of man has got no place to lay his head oh and he says lot of people say that god doesn't want you have for want want you to have a house that was does not mean that you that you should not have a house Now think about it it's not talking about house or no house why are you so concerned about house and the whole message revolves around that house and you're talking about big names hundreds of people in their congregation millions of subscribers on youtube <laughs> unfortunate for if anyone comes and preaches another jesus and you're so busy making jesus rich oh he had gold frankincense and myrrh they all came and gave their riches to jesus he was running for his life and when he was there on the uh, in the manger he was wrapped in what clothes swaddling clothes not pink and blue that's what we wrap our child in blue hey guess what do you have boy ah okay blue boy pink girl jesus swaddling clothes do we know this jesus it says hebrews says let us go outside the camp bearing his reproach because he went outside the camp bearing our reproach see that that's how we view our conversion he owns me that's the reason why he says can i take members of of god and make them or members of christ and make it members of a harlot 
same chapter in first corinthians chapter 6 don't have to turn there don't you know that he who is one with god is one spirit with him think about this do we look at our conversion this way first conversion how do i look at it that i am his son second how do i look at it i am his he owns me he owns me like a wife is owned by her husband and he desires her beauty and he desires to have her for himself completely and what beauty did he see in us what beauty ah well, that's exactly how we in many of the indian weddings what did this fellow see in this girl or the other way what did this girl see in this boy beauty lies in the eyes of the beholder they say but what beauty did he see in us he saw his own beauty he says i'm going to make you that way pure spotless bride by the washing of the, that is the reason why the word of god is so important what kind of a word of god do you need you need wash you need buckets and buckets of the word of god so that you'll be made cleansed that's exactly made made clean that's exactly what we've been doing pouring lot not 1 liter 2 liters one tankers and tankers of the word of god has been poured onto your onto your onto your souls through this um, time of pandemic i was talking to roshan no how do they make a rain mo- shot in a movie pour out tankers and tankers of water on the car to make that rain shot that's exactly what we've been doing pouring water and water and what kind of water water which will wash you and pour with such force so that all the dust goes out launderer soap <laughs> so you be cleansed that means what is water enemy of dust dirt inside of us every dust and dirt has to be made cleansed so that we will be made spotless without spot and wrinkle and without blemish before him he pres- he wants to present to himself such a bride because he owns us so you were bought at a price let's turn the, to that verse in first corinthians chapter 6 please once once more verse 17 Just give me a minute, please. Actually, verse sixteen onwards, we can read it. Verse sixteen onwards, and then we can. Do you not know? <laughs> he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her. For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. That means, see, forsaking all, you become his. That means you are willing to suffer loss in every other relationship. so that you are what joined joined them that's exactly what priests are levites were priests what is the meaning word meaning of the word levi joined to god joined to him is one spirit with him he owns me and then verse 18 and 19 free sexual immorality every sin that a man does is outside the body but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body and verse 19 or do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit verse 20 for you are bought at a price and what price was that infinite infinite eternal almighty that was the price that was paid for you for you are bought at a price therefore glorify god in your body and in your spirit 
which is God's. You are not your own. I want to look at conversion this way, that he owns me like a husband owns his wife. Third one. Turn to First Corinthians chapter 7, verses 23. Just look at verse 23. You were bought at a price. <laughs> Do not become slaves of men. So whose slaves am I? I'm a bond servant of God. Understand that? So first, how do I look at myself? I look at myself as a son. Second, I look at myself as a wife. Now when I look at these two things, becoming a bond servant is not a big deal at all. He has given me not only the position of a son, he has made me his bride, if you want to be one. I mean, you can, if that's your desire. And he says, he has made you his what? You have become what? How do I view my conversion? I am his bond servant. I am his bond servant. So what do bond servants do? They have relinquished all rights. No. It's exactly the example that I was thinking in the morning when pastor was talking about Hosea. God says, I want you to be set apart for me. Set apart completely for me, right? That you will be a vessel set apart for the master's use. And the master can use you any way he desires. I was talking to your young man. He wants to. He wanted to get married. And I don't want to mention his name. Um, he was telling me the kind of uh, wife that he was looking for. And he said, Pastor, I kept myself pure. That's exactly the words, okay? Like Jose. <laughs> I kept myself pure, Pastor. I never looked at another girl. And I lived a very righteous life. I was God fearing. And what do I what kind of a girl do I want? I also want to have a girl who's kept herself pure. I should be the first, in other words, uh, alliance that she would get. She should not be. She should not be even <laughs> stained by another match that might have come our way. Think about that. I was thinking, my goodness. I don't know which girl you'll find. It's impossible, I thought, but it's okay. It's a good desire to have. But think about it. No. God says to Hosea, Prophet, I have a girl proposal for you. Yes, Lord. I kept myself pure. Yeah, the proposal is uh, red light area. Can you imagine a proposal? I kept myself pure. Kept myself pure for what? So that you could use me the way you want. I'm a bond servant. I've relinquished all my rights. Do you look at your conversion like that? Now think about it. Now this is something which is so powerful. The reason why I'm saying that is because all of us have dreams. We all keep ourselves pure because we have our own selfish reasons. Think about a girl who never lived a man. Lived a righteous life. God-fearing life. 
Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. Young girl with dreams and aspirations already betrothed from the man. Verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of Mary and the, whose name? Two times it's mentioned. Virgin, virgin. Virgin's name was Mary. In other words, she, if Holy Spirit has recorded that she is a virgin, she is a virgin. It's remarkable. No? And then she has this angelic appearance. Of course, come on. I kept myself pure. Angels have to come and visit me. And what proposal do they get? Look at the next verse, verse 28. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now she's waiting. Oh, I'm going to get married to this man. And I'm going to have a great life ahead. All our dreams God is going to fulfill. When she saw him, she was troubled. <laughs> Not at him, but at his saying something deep inside of her might have, you know, gotten a little disturbed. Something is happening over here. It's going to topple my, uh, topple my apple cart, whatever you want to call it. No, Everything is going to, what all my dreams I have made in my life is going to come to a standstill. And considered what manner of greeting this was. You know, we all should be scared. Oh, highly favored, Dr. Richard. <laughs> Lord, I am overgone. <laughs> Finished. <laughs> highly favored, Dr. Richard. Overgone, Lord. And then, verse 28, 30. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with the, with the Lord. Oh my goodness. And behold, you will conceive. Shucks, man. That's unbelievable. I'll conceive. In my womb, you'll bring forth a son. Just call his name Jesus. No, Lord. What will people say about me? I will lose all my reputation as a chaste version. Think about it. It's not easy. You know, we have all these romantic ideas about uh, Christmas. She went and told uh, Mr. Joseph also. And that, that guy was really troubled. Lord, I kept myself pure, Lord. And you're asking him to get married to this person who has broken, who has betrayed me? What would have happened to his heart? You see, when you are when you have this kind of a mindset, a conversion mindset, you don't have rights over your life. You've given up all your rights. Lord, no Lord, no Lord, no Lord, no. No, what will people say, Lord? Oh, most highly favored one, you have found favor in the sight of God. You see, what do you want? Reputation before God or reputation before men? And this stigma will be for the rest of the life, even on Jesus. We know our father. We do not know who your father is. Think about the gossip that is going to go around this, the town, Lord. And possibly one of the reasons why they did not even allow her into any of the rooms is because of that 
stigma that was attached to her. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Will we accept that? It's one thing to speak about holiness and preach about holiness and all those things. It's great. But somebody messes up and comes to you and says, you know what, I messed up in my life. How will you really respond? Unless and until you have this kind of a mindset. And then goes on. Verse 32. He will be great, etc. Verse 38. <laughs> this is the response. And, the Mary, and Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That's it. Are we willing for this? See, it all depends upon how we see our conversion. This is a mindset. Just think about that pro proposal that Hosea got. What a, what a tremendous proposal that is. Lord, which person will accept and which father will even think like that? And the, pro the prophet will not even protest because he knows that he is totally separated for God and God can use him for anything even if in the eyes of the world or even in the eyes of the church what appears to be an absolutely uh, unholy alliance, but in the sight of the God, it's the most holy alliance. Are you okay with that? That is the most difficult thing for us to accept. So that's the reason why there's a huge fellow called self inside of us. Huge fellow. He's got his own righteousness. We call it Self-righteousness. Lord, I kept myself pure. This is what you give to me. In other words, uh, if this was not promised to you, did you want to have a nice debaucherous lifestyle? Uh-huh. Oh, okay, that means you have ulterior motives even in your uh, separation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Important for us to ask this question. Even in your separation, <laughs> you have ulterior motives. Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. This is exactly how Paul begins his life. What do you want me to do? It will be told you. From that time, you know, what's his uh, visiting card? Oh, sorry, his uh, card, whatever that card is. Paul, bond servant of Jesus. Called to be an apostle is a different thing, Baba. And even if apostle means what? Apostle, we are all apostles last, he says. We have made a spectacle not only to men, but also to angels. Those kinds of apostles are not there these days. Few are there. But most of them are different kind. You see, this is what it says. Lord, be it unto me. So there's a huge fellow called self. And Bible says something about self. What should you do to that self? You should deny that self. Okay. Second, <laughs> you should keep on judging that self. You have to examine. You have to humble yourself. If I don't view, if I don't look at conversion this way, then whatever God allows in my life, I will not be okay with it. 
Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be, be to me according to your word. And the angel of the Lord departed from her. Now look at the other guy. Matthew chapter 1, please. Matthew chapter 1. Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then it says, Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. No wonder God said, this guy is the father for my son. This is what I'm looking at, looking for. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, not personally, in a dream, and that was enough for him. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, let it be to me according to your I'm yours, Lord. I'm completely yours. You know why? We keep on hearing that, right? God will not harm us. He may hurt us, but He will never harm us. And even if He hurts us, He hurts us for our own good. So that the character of Christ may be, may be wrought in us. Jesus Himself did the same thing, right? Lord, Eternity. No, even before the foundations of the world were laid, He was Lamb of God who was slain for us. Meaning, even before we did anything, He had a discussion with Father. Dad, I kept myself pure. No. <laughs> no, nothing of these things. Be it unto me according to your word, Father. I delight to do your will. You want me to go and redeem these people and make them mine? Absolutely, no problem. I will do it. So what do we do today? You know what you should do constantly? Two things. Examine, judge. <laughs> Two things constantly have to happen. First Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 to 32. <clears throat> Onwards, okay. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man, what? Examine himself. So let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick and many are fallen asleep. And verse 31, if we would judge ourselves. You know the word for judging ourselves is a very, very powerful word. You know what judging ourselves means? Comparing. Judge means to compare. Whom should we compare ourselves with? And that's it. There's only one stone. Proverbs 11, verse 1. There's only one stone. One, one, one stone. <laughs> Triple one. Okay. Dishonest gains are an abomination to the Lord. But a just weight is his delight. Whom should we compare ourselves with that one just stone? God himself. That is the reason why he says, examine yourself. Test yourselves. Prove to your own selves and know to your own selves that if, who's in you? Christ is inside of you. You know, whenever we are all baptized in the Holy Spirit, one of the things that we need to expect is, okay, ask Derek Prince, how do I know that I got the genuine baptism of the Holy Spirit? When trouble begins in your life, you know. From that day onwards, what will begin? Trouble. Trouble will start. But God will allow that. But if we know 
what our conversion is all about. That we are sons. That we are his bride. And that we are his bond servants. Completely belonging to him. And he chooses best what he wants to do with us. Is it okay with us? If God is okay with us, then you know what? He'll not be offended. And blessed is the man who is not offended because of me. So this morning, even as we go to the table, Pastor James will come and do the Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before we go to communion, Raj, if you can hear me, please come downstairs. Peter, come, Peter. We've been also looking at at the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you hear the message, it looks like who can be this, right? And you have to realize for every, not suggestion, God doesn't make suggestions, <laughs> every commandment the Lord gives everything he demands of us, the answer also is in himself. The answer also is in himself. There is no answer outside. Uh, God asked uh, Abraham to offer Isaac, <laughs> but he provided the lamb. So when you hear, our first response will be like Paul, Richard Manna, who will save me from this? How can I ever achieve this? And you will see the answer is what Jesus said. I've taught you for three and a half years. Don't you dare out to go out trying to do it without receiving the gift from above. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive power. And then you shall be blind. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit that makes the church the bride of Jesus Christ. In us, this incredible commandment, incredible idea, but when we try it on our own, we will fail. So, even when you talk about the refiner's fire and the launderer's soap, it is he who comes. It is he who comes. He will suddenly come. And the person who suddenly comes is not Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit that suddenly came to people's lives, into their hearts. In their hearts, he's sitting there. 
like the launderer's soap and the refiner's fire. Now, if you ever have washed your own clothes before the washing machine came, <laughs> that is a different experience. In all our houses behind the well, we had our tap and we had a stone, okay, a stone, nice rough, not smooth stone, rough stone, which was over there, okay? So when you washed your clothes, especially whites, in Kerala we all wore whites because very hot whites was common. The lower was white, upper was white, everything was white. Okay. So when you are washing your whites on the stone, the machine doesn't matter how much intelligence you give it, it doesn't like think like us. Okay. It just goes round and round and round like that, okay? But not when you are washing. So when you are washing your whites, you take that soap and you apply it on the collar, right, the armpits and all that. Then you use that brush and you scrub. Okay? So please don't think about the launderer soap or the fire. Think about the launderer. Okay? Not fire, refiner's fire. So he applies. I might think I'm clean. I will not know I am unclean until I hear his voice. Until I hear his voice. Even as Pastor Vijay was preaching today, the Spirit was telling different people different things. Where you are stubborn. Where you have been surrendered. Where is yourself as opposed to the will of God? Before we he started, we prayed. You need to hear his voice. Otherwise, all of us will think like that old famous book, I am okay, you are okay. And then God comes and says, nobody is okay. Okay? So please remember, when we are hearing this, and when that keeps on happening, again you can leave yourself empty. Cleansed and empty. The fellow comes back. He says, the house is clean. Clean. But empty. Clean and empty. He says, no. Clean and full. Allow God to fill. And you know, everything that... Uh, that's why God uses uh, simple practical examples which we, which we can understand. We can understand. Okay, no? When, uh, like a simple Hindi movie story, when boy meets girl and falls in love, you don't have to tell them how to express it. You don't have to tell them how to express it. Okay? And like Pastor Vijay says, that betrothal and uh, in between, no, when you, I mean, when you fall in love, we call it betrothal officially, but when you fall in love and when you get married, in between, you know, it's looking intended. <laughs> okay. In between are the best days. You know, the girl gets everything she dreamt of, expected of. Okay. Then after wedding, reality strikes. Okay. So you ask them, what is the difference? You say that is coating. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is like, no, I'm just kidding, okay? But thank God God is not like that. He's actually better after quoting, okay? After quoting, while quoting, he's a little kind of harsh. He'll tell you, this is what I am. Okay, this is what I am. This is what I expect and all. And then, okay, with little expectancy of heaven and more fear of hell, we give it. <laughs> Let's be honest, okay? Most people come into the kingdom of God because they are so afraid of death and hell, okay? They come in. Once they come in, he will say, okay, I was stuff, but I will clean you up. I'll make you fit for heaven. 
When you are saved, nobody is fit for heaven, actually. Okay? Okay? It's like nobody is fit. Okay? If you look into the word of God, entirely it's the bridegroom who does the work through the Holy Spirit. All he says is, just will you surrender? Will you surrender? No, I don't know. When we were with Pastor Vijay, we will know. As fathers, we will know. No? Uh, when we based our little children, you know, we just say, don't struggle. I know soap hurts. I also came through that in the eyes, okay? Just just don't struggle, okay? I used to put my hand over the eyebrows. <laughs> we all did that, right? Okay, because we went through that. So we know we know what it is, okay? Don't try to teach us. You just I know how to bathe you without the soap getting into your eyes. Just put your head down, okay? I will see it does not hurt. God just don't struggle. It's all God is telling us. Okay, I know how to clean you. Don't teach me. <laughs> just don't struggle. Just come under my sub- what does the scripture say? Uh, submit yourself under the mighty hand of God. Okay, just, just, just submit. Okay, these hands won't hurt when I clean you. On the other hand, these hands hurt to cleanse you. Okay, so look at that way. And as we come to the communion table, and uh, we'll have to take it upstairs for children there. Okay, so as we go, come, uh, Peter, lead us in one stanza first, and then we'll go to the words. Yeah. Speaks a better word than all the empty claims I've heard upon these earth. Speaks righteousness for me, stands in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood. What can wash away my sin? What can make us the Lord what I also passed on to you 
The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this when you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. But for the body and the blood of Son, of your Son, that has offered for us, Lord. Not every year, once and for all. You have perfected all those who are being sanctified. In your eyes, we are perfect because we are hidden in Christ Jesus. But the Spirit of God is working on all of us in Christ. Thank you for your awesome ways, O Lord. Who can understand the mind of God? Even today, as we partake of these emblems, we believe, we believe we are being cleansed. We are being conformed again and more and more in the image of Jesus Christ. That one day we'll be that bride spotless, without blemish, perfect for the bridegroom. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you. All we can say is thank you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Shall we partake the emblem of his body that hung on the cross for us, the bread? Shall we partake the emblem of his blood that was shed for the remission of our sins?
your blood speaks a better word than all the empty claims I've heard upon this earth speaks righteousness for me stands in my defense Jesus it's your blood and what can wash away my sin what can make us whole again nothing but your blood nothing but your blood of Jesus and what can wash pure as snow and welcome as the friend of God? Nothing but your blood, nothing but your blood, King Jesus. testifies in grace tells of the father's heart to make a way for us and boldly we approach not by earthly confidence it's only by your blood only by your blood and what can away our sins and what can make us whole again nothing but your blood nothing but your blood Jesus and what can wash us pure as snow Welcome as the friend of God, nothing but your blood, nothing but your blood, King Jesus, King Jesus. Father, with this morning we just come to you, Lord. What can we say, Father? No human words would ever suffice to describe what you did for us on the cross. The price that was paid for our redemption. All of eternity, Lord. We'll be still wondering when we see your majesty face to face, the glory of the king and the kingdom. All of eternity we'll wonder, this king shed his blood for people like us. You could have just wiped out all of creation and started all over again. Father, 
baptize us all over again with your spirit and with your fire. Let there be nothing in us, O Lord, at the end that brings any kind of distaste to you. Help us to reach the end of our salvation. That the hour of your coming, your spirit would have sanctified us wholly, spirit, soul, and body. To that end, we commit ourselves today, the second day of this eighth month, let it be a new beginning, Lord, for everyone. A new beginning. A new surrender. Let there be a radical shift in our affections, O Lord. Truly, truly, Lord, help us to love you more than anything or anybody else. And to obey you over and above anything else. That when we say, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is heaven, it comes from the depth of our hearts. That's our true desire and longing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Go with your people. Go before your people. Let your hand be there upon everyone, young and old, the babies, the youth, everyone. Who are alone in their homes or with their families, wherever they are, let your hand be there upon everyone. We believe you are with us. And therefore we confess, if God is for us, who can be against us? We'll walk through this month without fear. Because we know God is with us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.